Good morning. It is good to be with the body of Christ today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you, team, for being here. Because if we were just me and a camera, that would have been not as much fun. I hope you at home are wide awake this morning celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope that we too can be raised from the dead to an eternity with our Savior, an eternity with God. The gospel, the gospel message, the good news is that we will be right with God, the God of the universe, and be able to spend an eternity with him, knowing him better and better as we grow. Thank you for fellowship. All of you at home, I hope that you are having a wonderful morning celebrating with your families. It is good to be with you. Um, this morning, um, no announcements this today. Today's a day of celebration. We are going to be talking about the resurrection of Christ. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15, some portions of, then we're going to sing and we're going to worship in song. We're going to worship in the fellowship of the saints, worship in the word, worship in giving as we do every Sunday as we celebrate together. Um, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3 and then portions of the rest of the chapter. For I delivered to you once as of first importance what I also received, what, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, last of all to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Now down to verse 42. So it is with this resurrection from the dead, of the dead, that is so, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was a man of dust, so also are those who who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed." In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must, be put, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immor immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, 
and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray as we celebrate this morning and praise God for sending his son. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We worship you. In your great wisdom, you have made a plan that even though we sinned, we are born into sin. We are men of the dust, mortal, that you have made a way for us to know you by sending your son to die on the cross. The perfect man, son of man, the son of God, that we can be made righteous, that we can be made right with you. Thank you for the purchase of our lives. Thank you that we can know you for eternity. We praise you and we worship you together as we sing, as we read the word in fellowship together. Father, we praise you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen.
call us from the grave. You call us to awake and to arise. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and bled for us and died. You freely give us your love and your sacrifice. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We bless you and praise you and glorify you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And good morning to everybody else out there in whatever land it is. Um, I'm glad to be here. I love to preach on <clears throat> Easter uh, Sunday morning. I really do. This is actually Thursday night, but it, that's the way we're doing it. And uh, I want to uh, read our chapter, which in my Bible it says the resurrection. It's uh, chapter 24 of Luke. But before I do, <clears throat> I want to say this week I've really uh, grown to love and appreciate what is in this chapter, but particularly why it's in the uh, shape that it's in, its structure. And, it, and that's where I want to go with this, the importance of the gospel and particularly how it is grounded on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and how that particular truth can grow in the life of a believer uh, day by day, even to the right now where we are, all of us uh, facing this virus stuff and so on. But before I read this chapter and look at the three parts of it and say what I, I'm seeing there, I, I just want to tell you this was written by a doctor, and the Bible calls him the beloved physician, Luke. And I want to read his, you might say, introduction. It's at the beginning of Luke, and I want to read that he also had a two-volume work, Luke and Acts. And also there is a, sort of a prologue or an introduction in the beginning of Acts. I want to read those two introductions because they're instructive to this chapter that we're going to study because it's the last chapter that stands between volume one, Luke, and volume two, which is the book of Acts. I'm reading uh, this prologue, and then I'll pray and we'll read the chapter. <clears throat> I'm reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 1. It's a letter to a friend of his named Theophilus. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Not only is he kind of saying why he's writing this, but he's, he's compiling and he's stating a purpose to this gentleman. Now, if you have your Bible open to the 24th chapter, just turn the page and you're going to be in John. But then after that, you get to Acts. And I'm going to read his prologue to Acts because it's important. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. 
In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, this one, this one is an aside, but I want you to know that I just read, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Any of you who are great scholars of the word know that 40 is always the number of testing. The Latin word for quarantine is quarantina, means 40 days. So we're very appropriately right here in this chapter 24 of Luke. But before we do this reading and, and preaching from this, let us pray. Father in heaven, we bow in your presence with glad hearts this morning, rejoicing for all that you have done for us and are doing, all that you have given to us. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would be pleased to speak to us that this has been recorded very carefully by this wonderful gentleman, Luke, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit for us uh, to exalt the work and person and love of God in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be able to hear what you're saying, to appreciate what's on these, this page, and to know how to put it into our lives so day by day, Lord, we're more changed and transformed into your image for your glory and for the good of others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just read the chapter first, okay? Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Hear the word of God. <clears throat> I brought this uh, plastic bottle of water because my voice sometimes isn't very good. Pardon me. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, these, these ladies. The they refers to these ladies, end of the chapter 23. The women who came from Galilee and made the spices. They came to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of 
of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened, and Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were, were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread, 
and blessed it, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has indeed risen as appeared to Simon. Then they, it's confusing here, who's talking to who? I'll try to say that again. Same hour they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. And these people here were saying, The Lord has indeed has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple blessing God. Amen. Yeah, somebody could say amen. Now, I'm not throwing stones here, but I'm just saying that a lot of history has taken place since Jesus said these things. And these things happened to these two fellows, Cleopas and the unnamed fellow. 
and to the disciples, and the church has grown, and a lot has happened. And so we have accumulation of a lot of understanding of the significance of this, this event right here that's chronicled in this chapter. And uh, But what is clear from this chapter and the structure of it, part one, you know, first movement, second movement, third movement, is that um, Jesus didn't come on the scene after he was resurrected where everybody just got it immediately. There was a kind of measured, gradual dawning on people of what had happened. What we're meeting here in these verses is doubt, uncertainty, and unbelief. He said, why are you saying this? Don't you know this is Easter? It's supposed to be all, we're celebrating, and we are. And I, I'm, I'm like you. I like this great celebration. I'm just saying this chapter, for some reason, Jesus didn't come in any very spectacular way after he rose from the dead. It's kind of interesting because when the women get to the tomb, they can't find his body. They get an interview with two men in dazzling clothes, which we assume are angels and they tell the women why are you <laughs> looking for the living among the dead why are you in a tomb of course he is not <laughs> he is risen just as he said and so they didn't get to see him at this point they run back and tell the disciples and the disciples what happened to them did they believe it right away they didn't believe it. They said, what's the matter with these women? They, they, they're like an idle tale. But Peter gets and he runs back. And the, the fact of what has just happened is not greeted with a lot of, great, this is wonderful. There's a lot of doubt and hesitancy. You say, Neil, why are you saying this? Well, because I find in America today not everybody believes this story. So there might be something for all of us of value to hear to see just how when Christ uh, wanted to appear after his resurrection, he did it with a kind of measured pace. Now the people in the United Kingdom have a saying that we don't have in America so much. <clears throat> Maybe we do, but I've forgotten. The saying is, the penny dropped. And I don't know if you know that, but when they made this saying back, pennies were made out of copper at this time, and they were at the pounds and shilling era, and then the pennies were big things that you could stick in a machine, and it would go, la, 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 la. and then when it drops, then something that you want, you get, or you, the door opens or something. And uh, what I see happening here is a very, a very significant, powerful earth-shattering piece of news has happened. But the Lord Jesus is actually opening this up in a very non-spectacular way. You say, really? Well, he sent a couple angels. Yep. He's not here. He wasn't there. The angels deliver the message. They're looking for Jesus. His body's not even there. And the key phrase is right here. He is not here, but has risen. 
Remember. Underline that in your mind. Remember. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they, here's the word again, remembered his words. Why are these angels saying this? You know, maybe they have better memories than these guys, but <clears throat> or these ladies. But many times in the book of Luke, six times Jesus told them the Son of Man is going to be handed over into to the leadership, and they're going to deliver him up to the hands of sinful men, the Romans. They're going to condemn him to death. He's going to be crucified, buried, and on the third day he's going to rise. They heard all these things, and we know by reading the, the account ourselves when we go back <clears throat> that they didn't get it. It says, huh, what, what he means by rising from the dead. So they're not uh, putting it all together. And Jesus, very lovingly and very patiently, is trying through these, uh, these angels and then later on to connect some dots that they're not connecting very well. They went back and told them all that they had said, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And we could sit here, you know, from our distance of time and say, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Come on. No, maybe we're a lot more like them than we realize. And then comes this amazing story. Why well, I think this is so well chosen by Luke, you only find it in Luke. It doesn't occur in the other three Gospels. And... In his research, he stumbled upon these two characters who told him the story. He wrote it down just as it happened. Because we know that Jesus appeared to people at various times over a period of 40 days. We just read that in 1 Corinthians 15. But then we get to this story. And this story tells us a good deal about the MO or the, the method of the Lord Jesus and God the Father. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You'd say, was he tricking them? No, he wasn't tricking them. Why was this happening this way? Why is this happening? Because Jesus knows a great deal about people's sorrow and grief and misunderstandings and their disappointment, and he is going to let them tell him what's going on. So that's why he opens it up. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? Now, I want you to just underline that word in your mind. They were on a seven-mile walk to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were on a walk, and they were talking as they were walking. What is this you're talking about? He's drawing it out of them. I want you to notice how non-spectacular this is. 
They're just walking along, talking about the news like we do today about, you know, the, the, the coronavirus stuff. We talk about it all the time. What is it you're, this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Now, it's very clear from the conversation in the story that they don't know who they're talking to. Is that clear? Everybody agree with me? Yeah, okay. Are you the only one? <clears throat> and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had seen a vision of angels and that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but a him they did not see. Now, these two fellows, they're sad. They missed, they're kind of confused, Right? Is that right? And then listen to what Jesus says. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. This might have taken quite a long time, by the way. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Now, let's just stop the action here for a second. I don't know what they're thinking at this point. How in the world did we happen to be going to Emmaus and fall into, into step with such a biblical scholars that we don't even know who this guy is? <clears throat> He got the bread. When he was at table, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures and they rose that same hour 
returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those. What's happening? Why is it happening this way is a better question. Jesus is revealing that he's alive, but he's also getting them to realize where they are in a continuum of unbelief to belief. Jesus must be aware that believing something as profound that someone that was beat to a pulp like that and stabbed with a big spear and stuck into a tomb could come back to life. The penny was kind of slow in dropping in their minds. Would you agree with me? And so he leads them kind of at a measured pace. He draws out from them where they are. And they are disappointed and they're confused. And he says, but all this had to happen this way. Yeah, right, I guess that's true. And gradually, gradually, at just the right moment, there's a dawning, uh, like a dawning of the light in the morning when the sun comes up behind the horizon and lightens up the whole world. All of a sudden, they recognize him. And he disappears from their sight. Now, why in the world did he do that? You know what? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. One thing is very clear from this. He was living in a glorified body. Because he was beat up pretty bad when he was resurrected. He, he could just uh, keep their, them from recognizing him. He could apparently eat fish, and, and he's not a spirit. He actually has flesh and blood, bones, and yet powers that we do not possess. He shows up, and finally they recognize him, and then anybody here can do that? Most of us can't do that. You know, that's because he's possessing powers of a glorified body. But he's also aware of something, something that is so wonderful. Maybe it takes gradual revelation, a gradual unveiling of the immensity of what has just taken place. Because what has just taken place would take volumes to tell. And these people's minds were kind of muddled and still mourning and uh, confused. And he's, he's staying, he, re- he realizes right where they are and he goes on this journey with them. And he walks them through these details. And they come back and they say, the, and they found them and they say, and the Lord has risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. That, sorry, that's not these two guys. These other guys. And they told them what had happened on the road. Now it was known to them. <clears throat> As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said, then why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? 
see my hands and my feet. He didn't meet them with 100% belief. They had a lot of unbelief. Maybe this is a ghost. No. Hold me. Touch me. I have flesh and bones. This is not a spirit. Give me some fish. Let me go eat some fish. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And he gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Thus it is written. There's a key word. Thus it is written. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, Neil, why are you belaboring this way that Jesus is revealing the fact he's not dead, but he's alive? What is the genius of this road to Emmaus story, this account, this true account of these two guys uh, talking about all that happened, turning it over in their minds, is that God himself knows exactly how difficult it is for people to actually believe this. There are people on the block where I live, up and down the block, who probably think, I don't believe that. How could somebody get killed that badly and then rise on the third day? And not just rise, but rise in a glorified body a rather amazing body. And you know, I'm saying all this because we live in a world completely filled with unbelief, not belief. And we need to ask ourselves as believers, you say, well, do you believe this? Yes. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. yeah. Well, so do I. But sometimes I wonder if Jesus could, you know, Put a little recorder on, where is your faith? Is it growing? It only is really manifest if what we say this means, what the import of this amazing action is so, the game changer of the life of all human beings is that there is such a thing as eternal life. Jesus conquered death, rose again, was ascended to the Father, so that we, our life is tied to his, we get eternal life, that should change everything about us. Well, has everything changed? Mostly not. We need to go back on the road to Emmaus and say, Lord, I don't know where I am on this road. If I'm here or here or here or here, I don't know. But please, please, I want the penny to drop. 
I want to say he is risen. I know he's risen because he lives in my heart and everything in my life makes sense because he died in my place and rose again. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help. As we walk the journey of life, Lord, fall in step with us and help us connect some dots. Help us to be sympathetic with those who are struggling and they are kind of mired down in unbelief. Live out your life in us, Lord, please. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Neil, for preaching God's word faithfully. Um, I was thinking as you were wrapping up, um, John, the end of the book of John, John 20, 31, says, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, we can have life in his name. What a great, great gift to have God's word. Um, I would like to read 1 Peter as we say goodbye today, we go celebrate the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and the rest of our lives as we worship our Father for sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, I'd like to read 1 Peter, um, verse 3 um, through 9. Um, we are going to have Dave um, Knowles will be preaching for the next two weeks, and he'll be preaching through these passages in 1 Peter. So I encourage you to read 1 Peter, um, the first chapter or two, as we prepare our hearts for that preaching of that word. Um, I'm going to read 1 Peter just as we say goodbye today, um, and I hope to see you all soon. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray and thank God for what he has done for us. Father, again, we praise you and we worship you because you have given us the greatest gift. Father, the greatest gift is you. 
that we can know you, be made right with you. Thank you for sending your son to die. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that we can be raised. Father, thank you that we can spend an eternity with you. Even though now for a little while, we are here in the flesh. Father, we love you. Help us to love one another as a demonstration of our love for you. Love our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the body of Christ. In your son's name we pray, amen.